Good afternoon. This is the weekly wrap for Friday, October 6th. Well, corn and wheat both had pretty good weeks. Corn was up 16 cents for the week. Wheat was up 27 cents in what can be maybe characterized as uh, the possibility of finding the seasonal lows for both of those commodities. We'll know a lot more next week, but the timing certainly seems to be pretty accurate. Beans were down 9 cents on the week. Cotton unchanged. Speculators added a big chunk of new shorts to their wheat positions, shorting another 16,000 contracts, putting them short 144,000 contracts. They bought just a little bit of corn. They still hold a really large short position for this time of year of 159,000 contracts. And they were extraordinarily aggressive sellers of soybeans, selling 26,000 contracts of soybeans this week, putting along now just 5,000 contracts. Cotton, the speculators, bought 9,000 contracts, pushing their net length now up to 54,000 contracts. Export sales were actually quite good for corn and beans. And heck, we even sold a little bit of wheat to China. So wheat is now cheap enough to export uh, into China, which is a very good sign. Um, and, and now that we've got you know legitimate fundamental demand in the export market for both corn, beans, and now wheat. Cotton even had a good week. We sold 240,000 bales of cotton. Uh, China was our largest buyer there. Uh, so we were harvested, uh, according on Monday, to 23% of the corn crop was harvested versus 19% last year. Beans, 23% of the crop was harvested versus 20% last year. And cotton was 18% harvested versus 22% versus last year. Yields for grains, from what I hear and all the reports that I'm getting, seem remain highly variable. Some areas doing surprisingly well, considering the weather they had. And some areas now getting into deeper into harvest with big losses on corn. Even in the same field, some areas getting 200 bushels in the same field getting uh, 150. So pretty variable. And then beans, a similar story there. So not the kind of story you want to hear uh, uh, with the, you know, matching with the government's expectations of getting record yields across the board. But we are only about 25% harvested. We did get some rain across the Midwest that did help the river levels. St. Louis basis levels pushed uh, a lot higher. And so now that we're able to export some grain, we still have a lot of work to do. But that was a a big benefit was getting some rains and and pushing the river levels up. South American weather continues to be highly problematic. Argentina still remains very, very dry. Southern Brazil absolutely getting hammered with heavy rains. Northern Brazil still running uh, well below moisture levels. So it's still too early to tell, but it would be, you know, uh, pretty difficult uh, for Aust- for Argentina right now based on what they're seeing to get their crops in in a timely manner. Uh, the stress will really start to show up here in the next two to three weeks uh, in, in their crop uh, plantings. And so maybe the market will start putting some premium back in the corn and soybean market based on South American weather here pretty shortly. Australia is also running into a record drought right now, pushing their wheat yields down. Uh, And we're even running into some dryness uh, in the Eastern Bloc countries, Russia, Ukraine, and some of their wheat crop is starting to uh, get pressured uh, with very dry weather. So we'll see what happens uh, with South American weather. Maybe that's the catalyst that gets us out of our harvest funk. 
uh, and pricing pressure related to that. Uh, but time will tell here. We're under heavy, heavy selling pressure by managed money. That seems and continues to be the main theme. As far as the macro picture, China remains very quiet. Like I say, they were buyers of U.S. beans, cotton, and wheat this week. The Ukraine-Russian war continues to grind on. Massive pounding of port infrastructure again. And in fact, the Ukrainian ship happened to hit a mine this week, did some damage to it on this sort of um, corridor that they have self-opened themselves. Uh, not really Russian-approved. Uh, and maybe that's why Russia is mining those areas. The Federal Reserve continues to get inflation data, showing it's slowly falling, uh, but the jobs number remains incredibly strong. This morning's read was 330,000 new jobs were created for the week. Market was expecting 170,000. Market uh, took this data as very negative. Um, you know, again, good jobs, good wage growth is negative because they're worried that the Fed is going to raise rates aggressively. Uh, although I think a lot of the Fed speak over the last week or two has been very mild-mannered. In fact, uh, you know, more and more likely that they're done raising rates. The market has a very small percentage dialed in for the November rate hike, something around 25%. Uh, but as soon as this data came out this morning, the dollar screamed to, to higher. Uh, the stock market collapsed, made new lows. Crude oil fell apart. As the market, you know, reads these headlines, the algorithms immediately trade them very aggressively. And so the immediate response to this good jobs number was very negative. Almost all of that reversed by the end of the day, as I suppose sounder logic finally kicked in to say that the economy is probably pretty healthy. The fact that we have a 3.8% unemployment, we still have good wage growth, uh, should not be construed as a negative on the market. So by the end of the day, the dollar reversed lower, stock market closed quite a bit higher, and the crude oil market even closed higher. So the demise of the consumer has been over-analyzed and over-predicted for the last year. Um, and speaking of which, crude oil had a very violent week. Last week, Thursday, we made a high at $95 a barrel, and on Thursday, it had collapsed all the way down to $81.50. So that's a 14% move in crude oil in one week. Uh, EIA, uh, which is a, a, another agency, reported that we had the lowest gasoline demand this week in 23 years. Good luck trying to explain that with all these new jobs and the economy relatively healthy. Uh, that's just a bad read. And many in the market are going to use that as support for high crude oil prices being damaging for the economy. But in the next couple of weeks, we'll get reversals of that data. Um, you know, but this was nothing more, in my opinion, than a flushing of the speculators out of the market. I think there's a very concerted effort by the government and by uh, uh, a lot of the people trying to fight inflation to keep money out of commodities um, because it hurts their ability to fight inflation. So this was a hard stop running move on flushing the, the speculators out. Global demand remains very robust for crude oil, um, and but it's this kind of move when you see a 14% move in one week is a main reason why investment in crude oil and building new infrastructure will not happen. Interest rates are high. The cost to dr drill a, a, a new well is 70 to $75 a barrel. And, and so when you start a project that you think looks profitable at 90, but basically a week later it's at 80, 
and all of a sudden you know you're unprofitable this is going to do a lot to kill any ideas of future exploration and so we are not going to add to supplies here uh, the argument that high oil prices are, are killing uh, and high interest rates are killing the economy is just not true you can see that in the jobs data you can see that in GDP we're expected to have a relatively healthy GDP uh, the demise of the consumer has been overstated for now a year and a half ever since the Fed started this uh, rate hike regime. Um, and, and so there's this big conflict in data out there between what the perception of high rates and high crude oil is going to do versus the reality on the ground. And we're going to continue to see that battle. Um, this uh, we, we got a passage of a new budget deal. Uh, the government was basically going to shut down toward the end of September. That did not happen. We got a new budget approved for basically just 45 days. Um, that approval ended up costing Speaker of the House McCarthy his job. Uh, many Republicans were not happy uh, with the fact that no spending cuts were put into this bill. All we did was kind of push through this incredible spending that continues to uh, explode our debt higher. In fact, since the last budget deal that was approved, we've spent uh, another billion dollars in debt, and that has the market extremely nervous. Why? Because we're finally reaching the point now where the market is not happy supporting this deficit at low interest rates. No, They're no longer going to allow the government to, they're not going to pay the government 2 to 3% interest on this debt. They want something higher for the risk. And it's now running, the 10-year note hit 4.8% for this week. It did pull back a little bit by the end of the week. But there is a growing concern about the disconnect between the Federal Reserve and interest rates and the federal government and the spending that is now completely out of control. And so at some point, it's going to come to a flashpoint on what it's going to cost to cover the interest on this government spending. As far as seasonals for the grains here, Corn tends to make its low toward the end of September uh, on the five and 10 year historical charts. That may have happened last Friday, may have marked the low. Like I say, we had a very good week finishing the week. Um, beans tend to make their lows at the end of August according to the five year chart and the end of September on the 10 year chart. So far that has not verified. Again, anytime you make lows, it tends to be a grinding pattern. It's not a specific one week. Uh, but it looks very strong and very likely that we've made our lows in corn. We may have more work to do, a little bit more work to do in beans, especially now that the speculators are such heavy sellers. Uh, my view on yields continues to believe, I believe that we'll end up with a sub-170 corn yield and something under 47, close to 47.48 on the national bean yield. That will ultimately uh, get proven after harvest sometime in January when we get the final data. So until then, we're basically in the dark on what these balance sheets are, you know, how tight or how loose they really are. So my view on the market, again, has not really changed here. I'm looking for corn to eventually hit 550 by the end of this year. And then by the end of Q1, we'll have a legitimate shot of maybe testing that 580, 590 area, snugging up to $6 by the end of Q1. Soybeans uh, with this sell-off here, I'm going to have to push my target back to about 1450 by the end of this year, but I still look for uh, yield verification uh, and, and South American weather problems that are going to eventually push beans to $15, $16 in Q1 of 2024. 
Cotton still looking for that 90 to 95 cents by the end of this year and closer to a dollar in Q1 of 2024. Wheat uh, is fundamentally oversold. We are stimulating big demand right now. The global balance sheet remains record tight. At some point, the market's going to trade that. They have not for basically a year now. But when we do and we have to address this tight balance sheet, Chicago wheat's going to head to $7 by the end of the year. KC will be a lot closer to $8 by the end of the year. <clears throat> but in Q1, when uh, if, if the Argentina and the Australian crops show um, you know deep losses as some of the weather models are expecting, I could see something closer to $8 for Chicago wheat, $9 for KC wheat by the end of Q1. So these are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMS. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.